to A Wild New Work, a podcast about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life, all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm Megan Leatherman, a mother to two small kids, coach, writer, and amateur ecologist living in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm your host today. Hi friend, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here, that we can connect in this way across the ether and across the the internet. Um, and I just, I know so many of you who listen to this show and it's just such a joy to feel like we're in space together, um, even though we aren't literally together. So thank you for being here and for sharing this time with me. We are here in the midwinter season as I am recording this. The sun shifts into the sign of Aquarius on January 20th, and so we're in the heart of it now, aren't we? And it may feel like, I don't know how you feel about it, does it feel like spring is just around the corner? Do you feel like the winter is just dragging on and on and you can't wait for it to be over? Wherever you are, however you're relating to this time in the cycle of the year, there's just plenty of space for all of it and however it's feeling today is just how it's feeling and that's fine and great. In the midwinter period with Aquarius and the tarot archetype that corresponds the star, we're really starting to work with seed magic with the energy of new life that can't be seen yet or understood or verbalized or put on a PowerPoint or on a resume, but we get a sense that something new is lurking (laughs) or at least is planted in the dark soil and will make itself known to us. In my tradition, in Celtic heritage and spirituality, there's an old holiday called Imbolc on or around February 1st each year, which was a time when people celebrated exactly this, the quickening of new life. Imbolc in Old Irish means in the belly of the mother. And so it's a time when we're remembering that the earth will come back into fullness and vitality and color and growth and people would have you know maybe cleaned their spaces or let their fires go out and rebuild new ones or celebrated um, the the lambs that were being born or the very early plants that would have been blooming or been able to be harvested Um, and so you can if you want to sort of feel into the energy of this time and trust that if you feel it trust it we don't have to make it a whole big thing or like intellectualize it just trust the signals that your body is getting from the environment around you and if you're open to it make a little bit of space for the idea that there might be seeds planted within you that want to grow this coming spring and summer are you open to the idea that you came into this life with things to contribute, with experiences to have, with dreams to realize, with rebalancing to do in your lifetime for yourself, for your ancestry, for your lineage. These new seeds can look so many different ways. It could be a new iteration of a long-standing dream that you've had. It could be a new idea altogether about what's possible for you and your life and your work. It could be a new desire that you have for something that either you didn't think was possible for you or something you didn't know you wanted. It could just be a renewed sense of optimism or hopefulness or commitment to what you want to build and practice with and grow this coming cycle. These seeds want to come to life, but they need your devotion. They need your belief in them. They need you to be sturdy in yourself, to trust your instincts, to trust your intuition, to be open to the idea that you can change, that the seasons change, that new growth, new life does come back. And this is an excellent time to really practice listening to these little inspirations that you get and giving them real attention. Not forcing them to show you anything, but letting them show you something. Really making a lot of space for them and writing these ideas down or just like savoring them when they come across your awareness. This is something that I go into a lot of detail in in my new book called Winter at Work and 
in that book I go throughout the winter season in all of these sections, early winter, midwinter, late winter, and offer some tangible and I think magical ways to work with this potent time. And so there's a long portion of it about seed magic in particular. And if you want to learn more about that, you can visit awildnewwork.com slash winter at work, and I'll put the link in the show notes. But today's episode is also going to look at this concept in some detail with a friend of mine. And I want to tell you about Megan. Um, She is a very magical being with a rich and interesting set of life experiences. Megan Bursick is a ritual witch and intentional systems and containers are her realm of magic. And in addition to identifying as a ritual witch, she's also a ritual coach, a facilitator, collaborator, educator, and mentor, as well as a potter, steward, householder, dancer, and storyteller. She supports people with integrating ritual into life, work, and personal practice without it becoming another thing on the to-do list, which I think is um, a wonderful aspiration and area of focus. So in our conversation, we talk about the power of ritual, what it quote-unquote gets us, and really how to work with the metaphorical and literal power of seeds at this time in the cycle of the year so that you can let what wants to come to life within and through you this year do so. So I hope that you love this conversation. Before we start, I want to read us our opening invocation and just sort of ground us into this moment. So wherever you are, if you can just sort of be aware of your body and time and space right now, maybe you take a deeper breath than you have been or just notice your breath as I read these words. May each of us be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures that we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Cowlitz and Clackamas tribes, among many others, who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. All right, Megan, thank you so much for being here. Mm, Thank you. It's absolute delight. I think it would be great to start because in my limited knowledge of your working life, it's like, it's an interesting sort of eclectic mix for like how you got to where you are today. And I would love (laughs) a little, like, if you could sort of tell the story of the last 10 years, whatever feels, whatever timeline feels like most relevant, but how did you, where have you been and sort of how did you get to doing the work that you're doing today? Yeah. So what are we now? 2023. (laughs) Here we go. So thinking back the past decade, that would bring me around 2013. And I recall I was in my hallway and I had my legs up the wall and I was in this like turning point, just experienced some big grief. I had just gotten married, just turned 30, (laughs) all these things were happening. And I was sitting there going, what is it that I want to do no matter what? And at that time it was be in the practice of yoga. So I kid you not the next morning, a Craigslist ad for a local studio was offering a position. Uh, And so I started that. And so I spent a couple years in the business of yoga as, as well as the practice and the study of yoga. And also around that time is when (laughs) I was volunteering at a festival, which I had been doing for about 10 years up to that point already uh, with a dear friend of mine. And she said to me one day, she's like, you know, Megan, you could get paid for this. And it was just like that moment where I was like, wait, what, this is possible. So uh, I also then started kind of turning up the notch with my um, involvement with festival production and doing that a lot. So that was really what um, took up my summers. And then around 2016, it was time for me to depart from the yoga studio. And that is where I discovered my love for planning retreats and being in event production uh, even more. And so 
from there, I went off on my own and started working with some amazing yoga teachers, movement teachers, facilitating uh, retreats and so supporting them with the back end. I love spreadsheets. <laughs> and so I was able to really help them match their experience of teaching with their registration process, essentially, and um, really going deep with festival production, uh, having some pretty amazing experiences, like being on site for 33 days um, and yeah, some wild, amazing experiences. And around 2019, then I discovered the world of coaching and in that space is where I discovered that something that I was already doing, asking really curious questions, deep listening, had a name, and that was coaching. And so I, while I was still in festival production, I started getting involved in training um, in the world of coaching. And through that, I wasn't expecting it, but out came the desire, the need, the like cosmic requirement to begin to integrate this other aspect of me, which was my ritual practice, my identity as a witch. And that kind of blew my mind. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is what I'm doing now. Um, so yeah, right around 2019, it was the time for me to step away from festival production, something that can be very intense. And just as luck happened again, it was right when pandemic happened and everything closed down. So that is when I pivoted to offering my moon gatherings that I was doing in person online. I started to offer coaching services and um, that's kind of like where I'm at. And now in this year, 2023, I am looking at how can we gather again and coming back to my love of festival production and retreat production and realizing that I got burnt out. So now how do I heal? How do I bring ritual into all my things? So yeah, I think that's where I'm at today. Wow. What a beautiful <laughs> summation. Thank you. <laughs> I when, there's like one part that I, I mean, it's all interesting, but I, there's one part specifically I want to hear more about, which is in 2019, it, you made it sound like it was sort of like a mandate from the universe, or it was like, it wasn't just that you had discovered this new path, but it was, it seemed, sounded like there was a little bit of a push from something that like you need to step more into your identity as a witch and offering something in a different way. Can you say it? anything else that you want to add about what that was, like how you knew that, what that first step was like? I want to hear more about that shift. Yeah, thank you. So I think what's coming up is the reflection that this is actually like a pattern that comes up in my life. One of those teaching moments um, where when I find things that are easy or easeful for me, I discount them. And circling with people, facilitating sacred experiences, creating a container for deep work, that's all been very easy. And it's something that's been part of my life since I was young, teenager. Um, so I, yeah, I discounted it. I was like, oh, this isn't what anyone needs. <laughs> and and with ritual in particular and circling and facilitating the circle, when I did that, I got these little like hints and feedback from people where they're like, we need this. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so it's the same thing about when a festival production where someone's like, uh, you can get paid for this. That happened to me when I was facilitating circle and sharing more of me, people wanted to be part of it. And I was like, oh. Okay, well, I guess I'm following this for a while. I love that. It's yeah, that's so often how it happens. These gifts that we have, we sort of take them for granted and think anyone could do that or it's 
something just that needs to fit into the rest of our, you know, quote unquote, real job or real work that it's not the actual path. So it's really inspiring to hear that you took that seriously and followed it. I think a lot of us ignore it at our own peril. <laughs> um, so much of your work, but also I think your life is built around, not built around, but rolls with the lunar cycle. Um, and it seems like you have really integrated that very ancient rhythm into how you move in the world and also in the work that you do. And I'd love to hear how you developed the relationship that you do with that, that you have with that cycle. Um, yeah, just how you started to incorporate the moon into the work that you do um, and what that's like. My practice with the moon definitely started as a personal practice. Um, I would say around 2009, I went back to school. I was at Prescott College and I had this amazing experience, uh, this class where women's wisdom and nature with Liz Fowler. And that was where I first discovered the teachings of Starhawk. And, you know, this college class, we had ritual, we circled up and we aligned with the moon. And it was just like this mind boggling experience. Like, wait, this is actually happening. I'm getting school credit for this. But, um, so that was when I first learned about aligning with the moon, even pay attention to the moon. And for me at the time, personally, um, for medical reasons, I was on IUD. So I stopped having my monthly blood moon. And so it was interesting that that time when I started following the cycle of the moon, I actually began to notice my cycles more. And through that almost decade of not bleeding, I found a deeper relationship with the moon, which feels like counterintuitive, but, um, that helped me, like you said, this ancient practice of noticing that there's something up in the sky that's changing and having it be a reflection of what might be changing with a rhythm within me as well. So nowadays, how is that incorporated into my work? This past year, I was noticing the desire to have a very intentional pause. And how could I do that? So I started because of the years of tracking my energy in relation to the moon, I discovered that typically around new moon, I was tired and wanted to crawl into bed and do things that are internal and cozy. And so I started a practice that I have now called intentional invisibility. So new moon week, I put a autoresponder on my email. I don't work with clients. I um, don't do any active external things. And um, yeah, it's my time to honor the cycles within me, honor the cycles of the moon and honor the, the devoted ritual experience I had in 2014 around a huge sacred bonfire on the beaches of Costa Rica when I dedicated myself to the teachings of the moon. So <laughs> I'm just holding up my end of the bargain. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> what a contract to make. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love that intentional invisibility. Yeah, I reinstated this the same practice at every four weeks. I'm offline and not seeing clients, but I haven't tied it to the moon specifically. Um, and I, I guess I haven't tracked my own cycle enough to know at which phase of the moon that should be, but that's something I'm going to put in the back of my mind to come back to. Um, I really love that. So 2014, you're at the bonfire making this agreement. Um, that sort of makes me wonder, like, what 
the term witch means to you and what that means as a life way and uh, how amazing that you had that class in college. I wish all people had access to more of that. Um, but yeah, what does that word mean? What does that identity feel like, I guess, to you to carry as part of your personhood? I think I would go back to that experience in 2009, uh, first reading the work of Starhawk, who is a co-founder of Reclaiming, which is a tradition of ecofeminism, goddess tradition, witchcraft. And I really appreciated a definition of which is something along the lines of not only being someone with flowy clothes who, you know, worships the moon, but also understands the science of the moon, not only hugs the tree and talks to the tree, but understands the ecology of trees, understands the root systems. And that is something that I really like is that both and both being in the mystical, um, in the visionary and also loving spreadsheets, <laughs> that sort of both and thing. Also through this, uh, the both and of loving nature and also fighting for nature and including nature as all beings, as the people that walk the earth, the elements, the plants, um, yeah, so having that sense of activism and justice also included into my practice. And that's where the word witch really feels resonant, feels empowering, power from within, very um, activating for me. Oh, I love that. I haven't heard that sort of definition, but yeah, I think that lands for me differently too than the sort of stereotypical new age depiction of witchcraft or being a witch um and the real like wisdom that i think that path holds if we take it seriously and do include all of those aspects you talked about it makes me think also of the both and of ritual work that you do that there is an aspect that is structured and intentional and planned and that that structure then creates an opening for flow and magic and mystery and I want to hear more about how you think of ritual, um, how it how it comes into your daily life, but also in the work that you do. And I also want to understand like what you see, and I see value in it. But I want to hear how you see the value of ritual, especially in like modern culture that is so devoid of healthy, intentional ritual. Um, so whatever in that you want to start with. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, ritual. It's one of those words that can be loaded, can be heavy, can be dense, and can have many definitions. And it's something that I have found that I throw it around and the opportunity for me to pause and go, oh yeah, <laughs> only because I've been working with this word for a long time. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's something uh, that's kind of always in the back of my mind as well. So ritual for me today, what does ritual mean? I really feel like ritual is intentional systems. So intentional patterns, intentional habits, whatever word works for you, something that we come back to, um, come back to with devotion and not a, um, a what's the word like uh easeful devotion not like rigidity for me is where I am with ritual so intentional system and then also I see ritual as intentional container so a beginning middle and end a um ritual is a you could say a space that we enter into so those are the two aspects of ritual that I am working with, understanding, defining ritual as. So ritual in daily life. 
So in the sense of intentional systems for me, those are the practices that I come back to the, the time where I sit at my altar before my work day, a ritual of at the end of my work day, ringing my bell, which is like my, um, metaphor for like taking off the tie at the end of the day, having a, a system that supports me, an intentional system that supports me in moments of my day, thresholds through my day. And then ritual within work. I think I almost actually just answered that. <laughs> so that ritual of how do I honor the separation between me and my work? What are the practices that I can do to make sure that my work, I put in quotes, you know, what uh, pays me, what brings in my income doesn't take over all of me. So maybe that answered one of those questions. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I love that description. I hadn't really thought of the beginning, middle, end. Um, it makes me think of like in myths, you know, there's sort of the cycle of like um, the calling, you know, entering the underworld, reclaiming, and then returning. Um, and that we need all of the parts. And sometimes I think people get lost in one and, and may not know how to like complete the cycle so that we do have the bell at the end of the day where, where we can like reintegrate. Um, if you, if there are people listening who have never really thought about ritual or any of this, are there any places where you would recommend beginning, like little ways that they can either already like recognize the rituals they're already doing, but maybe not aware of, or incorporate more intention around the cycles of their day or lives? I think what you said there, the rituals that we don't realize we're already doing, I think is a great starting point. So noticing, so that practice of noticing, um, for me, noticing helps when I connect in with my senses. So even that becomes a ritual practice, an intentional system that I return to, our intentional container of my body. So throughout the day, whenever I remember, and that moment is a moment of celebration, I remembered. So checking in, what do I hear right now? What do I taste? What do I smell? What do I see? What do I feel? And let that be it. That's my ritual. Done. <laughs> uh, not overcomplicating it, making it easeful. And again, that, that gentleness of ourself where even the remembering of, oh, oh, that's right. I was going to pay attention to my senses. Like that, again, is a moment to celebrate. And I, I'm not sure if you exactly asked me this, but it's coming up where then there's this relationship for me with noticing and with remembering. So having practices that support us in remembering what it is that we want to do. So a lot of people I hear come to me and they want to have a morning practice. So what are the things that we're already doing in the morning that we can turn up the intentional dial and make that become a ritual for us? Um, a few years ago, I was in a ritual ceremony workshop with Robin Rose Bennett, who is an East Coast, um, I think in like the Northeast, Green Witch, Wise Woman. And she was talking about her noticing of a pattern she had in the mornings of when making her coffee, she would think it was like stir in her cream one direction and then her sugar another direction, something along these lines. And when she realized, she was like, oh, wait, this is something that I'm doing. She's like, you know, in her own words, how can I turn up the intentionality of this? And so something along the lines of, you know, stirring clockwise, drawing in that which was good counterclockwise releasing that which no longer serves something along those lines. But when I heard that, it was just kind of one of those moments of like, oh yeah, again, it doesn't need to be complicated. 
We don't have to invest in different tools. What are we already doing that we can just make a little adjustment and go, oh, there we go. That's our ritual. It's so simple, you know, and I think really like reclaims our agency. Like you said, we don't have to go get a degree in ritual, (laughs) you know, like these are things that I think are innate to humans um, and human being and, and all animals and plants probably. My follow-up question is going to sound like totally rooted in white supremacy and capitalism, but what do you think ritual like gets us quote unquote? Like, what do we, not that it has to give us anything, but it does do something. What do you, what are like the benefits or the fruits of a ritualistic life? Would you say? Mm. Mm. Bad question. I love it. Yes. I think that's the, just to honor what you were talking about, capitalism and white supremacy, the, that both and where, how do we acknowledge where we're in and also uh, actively create change? So acknowledge that, yes, we might be coming to ritual because we want X, Y, Z. So acknowledge that that's okay. Here we are. And then how could actual ritual support us in desiring a different outcome or maybe desiring no outcome? So just acknowledging that. Yes. And so I'll share what ritual helps me and, or how ritual helps me. And that really is a practice of remembering a big part of my ritual practice is my altar. So a space that I have created that I return to, uh, it's almost like an energetic container. As soon as I sit down at my altar, I can feel a change. And the system that I have at my altar varies through the years, um, but really the essence of it is reminding me why I'm here, reminding me who I am, and reminding me of what is all around, reminding me of nature, of the elements. So in my life, moving throughout the world, I have a tendency to spiral real far out. (laughs) I could be on my path, on my purpose, and then all of a sudden I'm way over there doing something. And ritual helps me to make my way back on the spiral to go, oh yeah, here I am. (laughs) Here's my path. Here's my values. This is what I remember. This is what's important to me. That feels so potent and medicinal to have. I mean, how many of us really have a place that we can come back to that is like, a loving mirror, you know, here you are, here's your roots. We have that everywhere, you know, in the natural world and with our loved ones and our art or our home even, but I feel like altars are so important because they're dynamic things that we create, that we co-create, that do have a certain energy and resonance to them. And I think all throughout history, humans have had these little sacred pockets in their space and in their home. And I think it's something a lot of us have forgotten how to do or forgotten that it even is possible or important. One of the things that I know this work really helps with, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on at this specific point in the cycle of the year, is that having an altar, having rituals are really good ways to help grow like new little inspirations and pathways that are very like nascent in our lives and in our working lives specifically. So around the time that this episode will come out will be the threshold of Imbolc, which is a point in the sort of Celtic wheel of the year um, or in these sort of pagan map of the the cycles of the seasons. Um, And in old Irish, it means in the belly of the mother. So it's a time when people are honoring the very first signs of spring Um, and it's in the midwinter it's like early February so it's not necessarily like 
there's flowers everywhere, but we start to notice that there's some percolation, some activity. Um, and in like a metaphorical view, like in our working lives, this would be a time when we're getting these little like ideas about what else could be possible. Like you, you know, in your hallway being like, oh, I want to be inside yoga or I want, I don't have to do festival work in the same way anymore. These like small and sometimes they're big, but oftentimes these little inklings that we get that we can sort of ignore or go go over. And so I would love to hear how you work with this sort of energy. Like when you have, when you get that first little inkling that like something new wants to come into your life or your work, or you get a, an intuition that that is sort of vague and small, but that you can tell wants to be followed. How do you help it sort of come to fruition on its own timeline in its own way? Do you have any um, practices or recommendations you would make for how to, how to do that? Because I think a lot of times we get an idea and then it's like, okay, this needs to become a fully fleshed out, you know, business <laughs> proposition, or like, I need to know exactly what this job would be and how much I could earn. And in my experience, these are tiny little seeds that make themselves known that, um, don't tell us what they're going to be right away. So how do, how can we like nurture those when they come? How do we nurture our seeds? Well, my mind immediately goes to seeds and I have been one that has worked with the land all my life and grown lots of food. So I've had lots of trays of seeds in my kitchen and little seedlings. So I have in my mind just this idea of like, okay, so when you first put your seed into soil, you typically have a little tiny, tiny pot. And so it has a really small little container and you gently maybe put it underground, maybe it's sitting there on the top. So what does that make me think of right now of, of how does that relate to our real life? So a smaller container. So perhaps when I have new ideas, I am aware of who I share the ideas with. Um, because I know when those little ideas come up, it can be tender we can still be full of question. Is this really what I want to do? Is this really what my intuition is saying? Is this, you know, all those uh, kind of questions. And then we put the seed there. Then we add water to it. A little bit of water. Sometimes you're just spraying water. So then I think about, okay, teachings of the elements of water. Water for me is about flow. Okay, so when we have a new idea, how can we be in flow with it? Maybe not yet the logistics and the structure and the spreadsheets. Maybe not yet. Maybe it's moving, dancing with this idea. Maybe it's painting with this idea. Maybe it's journaling the idea. What are all the ways that we can have our personal practice be in flow with the idea that wants to come out? Then, you know, maybe we have some little sprouts that come up with the seed and that's where we're potentially heading to this idea now and in the season and, and they're still very tender, the little tiny roots, you know, we do pot it up into like a little bit bigger of a container. So maybe this is important for me for new ideas is to talk about it, <laughs> is to really share it with more and more people. Because uh, that helps me just process my ideas. It helps me bounce my ideas off my trusted circle when they're like, fuck yeah, Megan, do it. Because <laughs> again, I can get lost in my head. And sometimes that's that spiral way out there. Mm. So yeah, so I feel like it's a tenderness at this time. And how can, I think for anyone, anyone that has um, any experience or has seen, I mean, we've all seen sprouts. How can we look to nature to support us with this idea that our, our ideas are seeds? I really appreciate that because I always, when I think about like sort of the seed 
energy or magic of this time, I'm always drawn to like the seeds that are already in the ground. Um, Cause I don't, I, I'm like not an experienced gardener. I have not like brought things from seed to sprout indoors. It's just like never <laughs> like been a point of success. Um, so I really like, I can feel the difference of like just resting this tiny thing on this little piece of dirt, you know, soil and not like digging, you know, a huge hole and just dumping it in, but like just very gently, like offering it to the soil, you know, and, like a little spritz of water just feels so gentle. And I think that's exactly the orientation that we need in those times, like you said, to be really sweet um, with this new idea, but to take it seriously because it can become, it wants to become something. Um, it doesn't always become the thing of our life or like, you know, necessarily big or external in, in a way, but I think it's always important to treat those little seeds as valid and precious. Um, so thank you for that, like different perspective of working with seeds. Mm -hmm. Anything you would add about ritual, the moon, being with new inspiration um, before I ask you about sort of what's coming up for you in the late winter and spring? Mm -hmm. So we live in a wild world <laughs> and in a different sense of the wild, as in there's a lots coming in. There's lots around us, lots of distraction, lots of BS. So how do we remember what is important to us? How do we remember these seeds? And I'm really a fan of sacred sticky notes. <laughs> and um, these are the reminders. I'm looking at my um, desk around me and I've got lots, <laughs> but I see these as opportunities to remind myself when I'm beyond the formal ritual container. So uh, a formal ritual container can be different for everyone. That could be those moments of, of quiet when you're in the shower and an idea comes to you. It could be while you're journaling and you write something, you're like, oh my gosh, that's it could be in dialogue. However, the ways that we're have something come up within us. And so that opportunity of, of making a little reminder, whether that's actual sticky note with something written on it, or you're out on a walk and you see a leaf. And for whatever reason, you think of that new idea that's brewing up in you ask for that leaf to come home with you. And then you have a reminder. So every time you see that leaf, that sticky note, whatever it may be, that can be a reminder to you that, hey, you've got that little seed brewing. Um, again, yes, you can have an altar and that's fun and all the different things, but it's not required. Uh, I've shared too that when we have an idea, an intention we're working with, a seed of an, of an idea, hold that idea within ourselves and wander around your house and just notice if there's something that pops out at you and, and trust that it doesn't need to make sense. Um, just trust that, oh, for whatever reason, that sock <laughs> on the floor next to the couch reminds me of my desire to um, have more ease in my year. Lovingly grab that sock and place it somewhere. So then that can be a ritual reminder that can be, I might say it, that can be your altar to your intuition, to your intention. Um, so yeah, so I love sacred sticky notes, reminders. Um, and obviously I also like to include some silliness in it as well. <laughs> I think that's important. Yeah, thank you for that. It is really helpful when these things are new and not fully integrated to have them at the, you know, very front of our consciousness because they they can get sort of trampled by the day-to-day -day or like the things that were the neural pathways or the life pathways that are so deeply 
rutted and normal. Um, so I love a good sticky note. It's a reminder for me to get back on that train. Um, so thank you. That's really helpful. What is coming up for you, like in the the latter part of the winter season, the spring? What's what are some of your sort of edges? personally or in your working life? Um, and then how can people come along? Ooh, juicy question there at the end. <laughs> Edges. Yeah. Edge is definitely a practice for me um, from my teachings and experience with um, ecology and permaculture, or we could call that whole systems design. There's the edge of, of nature, of where two um, areas come together. So where a forest meets the meadow or a waterway meets the bank. And at that edge, there is great diversity. And so again, nature as my teacher, I then honor the edge of myself, the edge of my, maybe we say comfort zone as a rich place. <laughs> so uh, to be asked, what are my edge uh, where I'm working? I can feel the like sweat coming to the <laughs> edge of my body. The um, answer that comes exactly immediately to my mind, but then I go, mm, do I really want to share it? Of course, <laughs> because I've developed my capacity to be and discomfort because I've developed my capacity to recognize the signs of my body as to where it's discomfort because it's a growth edge versus, you know, pushing myself too hard. So an edge that I'm working with in my life and my work is allowing three words that I chose a couple of years ago to be my guides in my work. And I hid them because I discounted them. I hid them because I thought uh, people wouldn't take me seriously. <laughs> and so my edge is to not only really integrate these three words into my work, but also to share them. So full moon of the year, here we are <laughs> when we're recording this, what is the full moon helps me show what is. And that is the words beauty, love, and ease. Beauty, love, and ease are what has guided my work, guided me. And that's my edge this year. How are those words going to show up? What are the actions and the choices that go with those words? And how do I get to celebrate when I witness the outcome of working with these words. Mm, juicy right there. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing those with us. One thing I love about that is that it's not like goals, you know, which, you know, no, no need to shit on goals, but I feel like <laughs> when you identify like the words that have a particular landing spot in your body that you where you really like feel the zing of them they can be such um powerful guides and like and threads that we can pull on um and each of those words means something unique to you and how it wants to come through in you and your work and yeah i can totally feel it hearing you describe it and talk about it so thank you how can people experience the, you know, those three words, like in your work and get to know you better and, um, be supported by you. Thank you. I think a great entry point is to have a virtual tea date with me. I love to meet people. I love to ask questions. I love to share what's going on really in our life. And um, yeah, I would love to offer listeners of this an opportunity to have a virtual tea date with me. So that means we get on Zoom, we have our 
favorite mug with our tea or whatever beverage suits you in the moment. And we just talk like we're humans. This is not a sales call. It's not a discovery call. This is just a, hey, we have something in common that we want to talk about. So let's talk about it. So there's that. And then if reading things is more your style, I've been writing a weekly newsletter called Witchy Wednesdays for quite some time now. Um, and part of my intentional invisibility practice is I do not send one out on new moon week, but in these emails, this is where I explore the hows and whys of ritual. Um, how do we, how do I talk about ritual? How do we talk about ritual? And then ways that I can support people. I support people in one-on-one. I support people in groups. And I also have a mighty network space called The Circle, where we're then able to have another virtual playground to talk with others about ritual. So the easiest thing is I will create a, a special page, um, my website, meganbursick.com, which is M-E-G-H-A-N-B-U-R-S-I-E-K. And then I will have it say a wild new work. And that's where I will share some links um, to some of the teachers' names that I've shared and ways to um, get in touch with me and see what magic we can create together. That's perfect. Thank you. I'll be sure to include that in the show notes, of course. Yeah, so many fun beautiful and loving avenues with which people can connect with you. And I've really benefited from being in your world since at least 2019, if not earlier. Um, So thank you for sharing yourself in the world and the work that you do. And also today, specifically in this conversation. Mm, Thank you. It's, it's always such a delight to be in conversation with you, Megan. Thank you so much. And your inspiration When I discovered who you are and your work in the world, it was another one of those moments where I was like, oh, people want to talk about living with the seasons? What? Oh, wonderful. (laughs) So thank you for your permission slip. Oh, yeah. It's so nice when we find each other in the world. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh. Okay, my friend, I hope you loved this conversation and I encourage you to connect with Megan if you want to go deeper with the concepts that we have talked about here. I am wishing each of you such an auspicious and serendipitous midwinter. I hope that you are surprised by what starts to come to life. Um, and I'll be thinking of you and I will be back with you in an episode in about two weeks. Take such good care and I'll see you on the other side.